Hey folks, RJ here. Before we start the podcast, I wanted to let you know that we're having a contest. This episode's guest, Jenny Hammerton, has written a book, Cooking with Columbo, and she's given us a copy to give away to one of our listeners. All you have to do is send an email with the subject line, cooking, to columbo at thecitydesk.net before January 25th, 2019, and we'll pick a winner at random. Enjoy the show! Oh, oh, one more thing. Just One More Thing, a podcast about Columbo. I'm R.J. White. I'm John Morris, and on this episode of the podcast, we'll be discussing murder with too many notes. Originally broadcast on March 12, 2001, directed by Patrick McGowan, written by Jeffrey Kava and Patrick McGowan, and starring Billy Connolly, Hilary Danner, Chad Willett, and, of course, Peter Falk as Columbo. And as always, we're joined by special guests this time. It's author, blogger, film archivist Jenny Hammerton. Before we bring her on, John, do you love clues? I love clues. Wow. But you know who doesn't? Findlay Crawford. RJ, Findlay Crawford is Hollywood star composer, and he's won both the big award and the top award. Those are amazing awards to win, yes. Those are two great awards. Uh, But Findlay also harbors a secret. He's got too many notes, and he doesn't know what to do with them. (laughs) Crawford happens to be at least uh, five years, maybe ten years, past his sell-by date. In fact, his film scoring career would be long dead in the water if it weren't for the assistance of his young protege, Gabriel McEnery. More than merely learning at his master's feet, McEnery has been crafting large swaths of Crawford's catalog, including the entirety of the score for The Killers, the film that won Crawford the big award, the top award, the number one award. You have to imagine I'm waving an Oscar around while I do this. That's what they did in the episode. Uh... When McHenry demands recognition for his efforts, it threatens to scuttle Crawford's sweetheart relationship with a big-time director, leaving Crawford one solution. Lure the young musician with a drug-traced honeypot trap, dress him in rented (laughs) shoes, and push him off his favorite rooftop perch with a slow-moving, loudly complaining, and long-unused service elevator, leaving it up to Columbo to settle the score with this murderous musician. Thank you, John. Uh, Jenny, welcome to the program. Oh, it's so wonderful to be here and to be invited. It's a, it's rainy here in London. Um, it, it, what? I've never heard that about that town. <laughs> you're you're pulling no, my leg. No, it's wet, windy, not a very nice day. Uh, here, uh, Con- I'm sorry, but John, I was Con- convers- Conversely, conversely, here in sunny Seattle, it's it's rainy, it's dark, <laughs> and it's windy and it's cold. And it's uh, noon. It's is- noon there too, and it's like that. It's noon, yeah. Well, that's about right. Well, at 3 p.m. in Philadelphia... Philadelphia I assume it's sunny, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. actually, no, it's it's uh, partly cloudy. It's it's getting towards twilight. It's a bit chilly outside. I put out the Christmas lights just before coming in to do this outdoors, and yeah, it's 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 not too bad. It's a good wintry day, but not too much so. Listeners, uh, feel free to write in and tell us what the weather's like where you yes. are. When you're- yeah, we'll have a new feature on the podcast for its uh, final episode. What's the weather where you are? <laughs> yeah, but Annie. you know... I'm English, so we are just totally obsessed with the weather at all times. Well, we are here, too, to a certain extent. But, you know, I'm just thinking, uh, one guy who got angry at us about talking about hot dogs too long is probably just gnashing his teeth right now at his <laughs> iPod or whatever. Get to the yeah, episode! Okay. Get to okay, the Columbo! Enough, about, enough uh, about the weather. Okay, well, actually, about... when we have someone on uh, for, the, for the first time, uh, I usually like to ask them uh, their history with Columbo, uh, their, I guess, relationship, as it were, with Columbo, so if you could, please, uh, how did you first come to become a fan of the program? Uh, I've been obsessed with Columbo probably since the 80s. Um, I used to work at home a lot, and it was on TV on the afternoons here in England. Of course, I was working very hard, but I also <laughs> had sort of my, my non-class eye I had uh, on the TV set watching Columbo. So, yeah, since the 80s, really, and then... Um, I've got a little DVD player in my kitchen. I do a lot of cooking, and I just started watching my way through the Columbo box set a few years ago. And I have a massive collection of movie star recipes, and I thought, oh, I've, I've probably got quite a lot of recipes for all Peter Falk's co-stars. And that's why I got really into it, and that's why I wrote my little Cooking with Columbo cookbook. Yes. So, I'm obsessed with Columbo. I love it. I love all episodes, even the later ones. 
Well, actually, if you could, uh, a little bit more about uh, the cookbook, because I just find it fascinating that you're able to find so many recipes by the actors in the episodes. And it's odd to me that there was this time period um, where actors would just put recipes out there to people. Yeah. Which yeah. you don't hear about that, but it was, yeah, like you could find like, like Ray Milan's chow mein. What? Why did Ray Milan have a chow mein recipe that he was just handing <laughs> out to folks? How? How is, why don't actors do that any longer? It's very strange to me. Yeah, it, it was kind of a, a trend that was really big in the 20s and 30s. Uh, movie stars, you know, people looked up to movie stars. They wanted to know where they went out in the evening, who they were dating, what their houses were like, and also what they liked to eat. So lots of fan magazines and uh, cookbook compilers would ask movie stars for their favorite recipes. Wow. Sometimes the studios would obviously hand out things quite a lot of the time. But, you know, lots of movie stars really did actually like to cook. So you get some weird and wonderful favorite recipes, it's true. But I was lucky enough that most of the Colombo co-stars I had recipes for in my collection. I've got about 8,000 movie star recipes. Wow. Oh, my God. Well, you have a web yeah. blog for that also, too, the uh, Silver Stars... Supper, silver screen suppers, right? Yeah. Silver screen suppers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I, I like to experiment, cook the recipes, see what they're like, and then I, I write a bit about them. Yeah, like for instance, you could make, a, I'm looking right now at John Cassavetti's minted beef. Sure. Yeah. If you've ever, if you've ever wanted to make a John Cassavetti's <laughs> recipe of minted beef, it's in this book. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it, it's, it's fun. Yeah. Meatballs, they're delicious. It's just so if, odd. Uh, yeah. The, the website is just tremendous fun to flip to, to clip around. And if you have already had a crush on Marina Loy, <laughs> her recipes will murder you. She's got a, Sen, a Senegalese soup, and she's got a chicken pimento soup that I'm dying to try. Both good. Both good recipes. Well, are you sure you wouldn't, you wouldn't rather have Richard Behistard's Beans and Franks? <laughs> Nothing wrong with beans and franks. Nothing but wrong fact, with Richard Basehart. But something right. It just—it's odd to me, and it just seems kind of funny to me that uh, Richard Basehart. That's all he could come up with. Franks and beans. Yeah, I think well, my, right. Why not? Yeah. My my favorite recipe really is the Groucho Marx mushrooms under glass, because <laughs> the the uh, his solution to getting rid of unwanted guests is you serve glass under mushrooms. <laughs> inside a dog it's too dark to read yeah <laughs> that whole thing yeah brilliant yeah that's a good one um so uh, you you said you you did we give you a choice choice in which one to do for the last like the handful we had left you picked you chose this yeah. one specifically yeah. and why why did you pick this one out of uh, what you were offered up I think it gets a tough deal. Uh, I think it's a good episode. I I find something to love in all Columbos, even the ones that a lot of people think aren't very good. And um, I saw a lot of Billy Connolly on TV here when I was growing up because he was a, a comedian that was on TV quite a lot. Mm, and he was yes. quite rude. He was quite a rude comedian. So uh, <laughs> I kind of appreciated his sense of humor. And, yeah, he was the big yin so he's he's very familiar to. to oh, you mean we Billy? Yeah, <laughs> we Billy. <laughs> it's we Billy. Yeah, the big yeah. Well, my 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 first exposure to him, uh, the the sitcom over here, head of the class, uh, where he replaced uh, he replaced the guy who played uh, Howard Hessman, who played Johnny Fever on uh, WKRP. Uh, he left the show, I think, over some sort of pay dispute, or didn't like the fact that the kids were the kid characters were getting like more airtime than he was, and so yeah, uh -huh. Billy Connolly came in. And I thought it was actually much better. Uh, as a character. That's the first time I saw him, um, and he was very much not playing a ton of a character. He was pretty much playing what you think of as Billy Connolly. Uh, when you yeah. think of him doing a stand-up and that sort of thing. So that, that was my first thing. And so, yeah, I've been uh, enjoying him and things ever since. And I wasn't... I'm going to... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say that I can, I can beat both of you here, and it's actually kind of embarrassing, is I know Billy Connolly primarily as a folk singer. Oh, oh, when oh. Uh, I've actually I actually went to see him uh, in concert when he was opening for the Chieftains, I think. Oh, my gosh. Really? This is well before his comedy career. Yeah. Oh, my mm. gosh. I didn't know. I didn't know he had done that beforehand. Yep. Oh. I am 74 years old. <laughs> Obviously, you'd have to. Be. <laughs> I remember the summer of love. <laughs> wow. Right. 
Well, you must um, have been a child. <laughs> <laughs> a wee bit, a little, a little older than I care to admit, but yeah, yeah. I was there. Um, so I thought, uh, as this episode goes, he was wonderful in it. He he was he was good as a weird conniving uh, jerk. Um, yeah. I just kind of, uh, in my opinion, wished he had been maybe a, a villain in a different episode, a slightly better one. This one, mm-hmm. it's yeah, I don't know. Uh, who wants who wants to talk about uh, what struck them the most about this one? Uh, I feel like uh, we can leave it to the guest, but if, if Jenny would rather not, I'll be happy to take off. Go for it. Well, it's um, it, there's a lot about this episode that you only discover the deeper you dive into it. Mm. And I've decided that if there were any Columbo episode I, in which I could be a fly on the wall during the shooting of, pardon the prepositional dangling there, yeah, yeah, yeah. it would definitely be this one because Connolly and McGowan did not get along oh really yeah there were so first off i think i love this episode because the more you think about it being a mcguin episode the more some of the decisions make a lot of sense well i think the, some the of the ver- shots are great um i think some of like some the camera work are- and that sort of thing are some of that's wonderful yeah well, I'm sticking to, you know, what I th- what annoyed me the first time I watched it before I really thought about Magoon being in it, which was the let's call it a car chase. Let's call. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was so bizarre. Very yeah. Slow car thing. Yeah. Uh, playing playing uh, the lullaby as like a yes. weird guy in a bike is passing Billy Connolly in his slow moving car as he slowly co- goes to pieces yeah, praying that Columbo will speed up. That is Patrick McGowan's sense of humor, yeah. perfectly encapsulated. Well, that could have happened on the prisoner, and I would have accepted it. Okay, you know, and there's a lot of scenes like that where, when um, Connolly is starting is trying to pretend to be completely bereft, and he's pretending to compose for Columbo's benefit and playing all this mad music. He eventually starts singing Clementine with him. Yeah. That a hundred percent feels like McGowan's sense of humor or his way of telling the story. in I think for him, what's a light way. Mm-hmm. Well, I, but I, yeah, I, the problem was apparently Connolly drank and refused to learn his lines. Oh, really? And what, what yeah. I, what, what's, what's the source of where have you read this? The sourcing on this? I'm getting, I'm getting it off IMDB, unfortunately. Oh, which well, of course sometimes you though, yeah, cheap, you never know. I'm, I'm not too sure about the, the drinking thing because I, as I understand it, Billy Connolly was teetotal at the time oh. that he was making this episode. So I'm not sure about that story that, um, he was drunk on set. I don't really know where that comes from because I think he gave up Alcolin uh, about five years before. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. I know. Yeah, I know it, he did have a serious alcohol problem, but as I understand it, he's an LT total and has been since about eighteen ninety-five, I think. Okay. Well, I wouldn't want to. Uh, I wouldn't want to make it sound like he was drinking. That's what I got from IMDb. I will take a look to see if I can find out. Uh, yeah. His history. I've seen that story, but um, Magoo. Oh, 1985. Yeah, Mag- yeah, but that that story is around on the on the interwebs that um, Magoo was annoyed <laughs> because Billy Connolly was was drunk on set and slurring his words and things. But who knows where that where that originates? Because I mean, I get the impression uh, Magoo would probably have different ways of getting under people's skin. So yeah. it might not have been that. They might have. They might not have gotten along for any number of other reasons. Uh, yeah, until yeah. well, until I read the IMDb, I was under the impression because it looked like Falk and Connolly were having a blast. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I I thought they were all three having fun, but yeah, IMDb did suggest that he was. Uh, sl- where is it? Uh, do 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 Became apparent that Connolly had imbibed alcohol sl- and all afternoon, slurring his dialogue. Uh, and McGowan accused Connolly of being drunk. An ensuing argument occurred, lasting about 20 minutes. Everyone went back to their dressing rooms, and then filming resumed later. Well, maybe well, now I think he was protesting his innocence. I have not been so. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably more likely. I still Now I really want to be a fly in the wall, though. Yeah, no, I would have loved to have uh, witnessed well. I would love to have witnessed that fight not having any sort of stake in the production of the program whatsoever. <laughs> Just like yeah. someone someone walking by. Hey, what's going on there? 
Wow, hey, it's Billy Connolly and Petra Ruin having a fight. How neat. Oh, I gotta go. <laughs> good luck in your production. Leave. Yeah. It would have been good to watch, definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to me, I think, yeah, there are some elements this episode that are kind of interesting. I guess for me, it didn't exactly come together. So you, so I'm the, I'm in the minority here today. Uh, if the both of you really, really enjoyed this one, uh, what, what brought you uh, up on this thing? What, what, what did you like about it so much? I think, um, this, the characters are really nice. I mean, um, Gabe and Rebecca, they've got a functioning, loving relationship, which you don't so often see in Columbo, you That's know, true. Not a nice, nice relationship and it's you know it's very sad that he is cut down in his prime and you know i think i think the acting is very good in it and i and i like all the characters even billy but um yeah as you say being a fly on the wall with mcguin in charge i as i understand it mcguin was originally going to play the findlay crawford role wasn't he oh yes, really he was. He oh was lined up for it oh that would have been neat yeah, I don't know why he didn't in the end and why they got Billy Connolly in to do it. But maybe that's why they didn't get on. Maybe Patrick McGuinn changed his mind and wish he had have taken the role. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, I, well, hmm. again, according to trivia, it was his decision, I believe. Let me see if I can find out. Yeah, McGuinn declined because huh. uh, he didn't want to do both directing and acting. Oh, okay. Right. right. Yeah, I, I think he would have been... Awfully good at the role. I mean, I lo- I love Billy Connolly in it, but I think McGowan would have been good too. And also the whole setup of like an older, established composer who's kind of lost a few steps. Even having yeah. a mar- having a greater age difference, I think, would have actually kind of helped that story even more. Really. Yes. Yeah. Connolly is pretty young at this. Yeah. 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 Um, to have to have. Uh, composed all One, of those be- the brilliant, great award. brilliant scores for all of those great looking films we see clips of throughout <laughs> the episode <laughs> yeah there's a there's a studio 60 at the sunset strip problem here where they're playing for you mute soundtrack music that's supposed to be brilliant and soundtrack music that's supposed to be awful and showing you great movies and none of them look i can't tell the difference of what's supposed to be good or bad yeah it's it's yeah god yeah. that there's there's no music that makes that last scene, that romantic scene, work. Yeah. No. no. That would be uh. impossible to score well. <laughs> yeah, that There's guy a... makes crummy movies. I don't know what... <laughs> if, he's, if he's supposed to be an analog for somebody, I don't know who. I yeah. thought, like, originally it was supposed to be, like, um... Uh, no, uh, Brian De Palma. Really? Oh. I don't know why, but at first I was like, is this De Palma? And then there's nothing. I don't think it's really meant to be anybody because he doesn't have any characteristics to speak of. Right. Cause, I mean, yeah. the only the only real t- the only time you really have a director so closely linked to a composer like that. I mean, the one you think of is Spielberg and John Williams, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Or if it's murder and suspense movies with a specific guy, you would think of, you know, Bernard Herrmann and Alfred Hitchcock or something. But neither mm. one of those guys seemed like them at all. So Yeah, it's not a big score. Plus, I'm trying to, like, if it was meant to be a director, boy, they, they really gave him the boot to the face because the second Findlay Crawford fails to deliver something he likes, he just hangs him out to dry. Yeah. He's yeah. angry a, at him. Such yeah. an odd scene. Furious, yeah. Because cause he's won him so many big awards. <laughs> that great <laughs> award. I love Bless the fact hearts. that Finley's got Finley's got all these many, many, many fans of his music that they will actually yeah. drive to the studio for a for a big performance of his wonderful film scores. I mean, I I don't know. Does that really happen ever? I was hope I was wondering if it did, and I hope it does because it sounds fun. Yeah, but yeah, maybe, I mean, it seems so weird to have like this very. It seemed like a very intimate kind of experience. I know that was the reality of trying to cast a TV show, right? But uh, you know, it must have been like a hundred people there, which was that's fantastic. I mean, usually yeah. it, it, it's other orchestras, other symphonies performing the music of someone one night. I mean, the one the time where it would actually have happened in the past, I'm sure we'd have John Williams, who was the conductor for the Boston. Um, Boston Pops or Boston Symphony? Yes. Yeah, Boston I think Pops. It's Boston Pops. Yeah, Boston Pops. Yeah, you know, he probably did his own music then, but he was already the conductor for an orchestra. I mean, otherwise, it's usually somebody else does a night of so and so's music, and it's not usually the actual composer 
conducting it. Like I think um, I saw a special uh, a few months back where it was um, uh, Danny Elfman's music. It's retrospective. He was just there, kind of in the audience, and uh-huh. talking about it in between. But it was a different. It was an orchestra conducted by an actual real conductor performing the music. But he wasn't doing it himself. So that did seem kind of strange to me too. And yeah, but they were doing it for a TV special. It seemed. Mm. on this thing because they had the TV cameras there in the studio. Yeah. So maybe that's what they were doing going to sell it. I don't know. Yeah. But he had groupies, didn't he? I mean, he had yeah. mega fans. So yeah, people loved his music. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. Well, I guess they loved Gabe's music. Actually. Right. Yeah. yeah actually, yes. They should have been outside watching him fall. Um, right. Actually, okay. That's, so the murder, actually, the murder is kind of a a weird, oddly, overly complicated one, which mm-hmm. those are kind of fun sometimes. They're very gimmicky in Columbo. This one's very strange in that he drugs the kid, leaves him up on a roof in the hot Los Angeles sun all day. Yeah. And the hope that this creaky old elevator during a musical performance, nobody would notice it. And then hopefully would push the kid off the roof. Yeah. It is complicated. Yeah. Yeah. I there think... are those beautiful moving parts. Yeah, um, literally. But did, did, you guys, did you guys pick up the dead wife? What? That's what I thought. What do you mean? What? What's so, dead wife? What? Right at the end. Right at the end. Right at the end of the episode. No. Um, Columbo says something. I can't remember the name of the, the drug. I'm going to say phenobarbital. Yeah, I think, yes, it was. It. No, that was it. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. So he says something like, have you ever heard oh, of phenobarbital? Oh, yes. Right, because he took it after his wife died. So yeah, he, he had just some. blindly yes. mentions, I oh, my used to God. get sleep after it didn't even my wife died. It didn't even register. Oh my God! So in a Columbo, in a Columbo, you don't mention that your wife has died unless you killed her. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, huh. I hadn't thought I, of that. Yeah, I just, I, it just I passed my I thought that storyline was probably to give Finley an excuse for his excessive drinking. That's what I thought, but maybe you're oh, right. Maybe he's a double murderer. Oh, I uh, I just don't know why it would be mentioned so very late. Because I'll, I'll say this as a man who, who had his problems with alcohol. You don't really need a reason to drink. Uh, you can drink real heavy just for the fuck of it. Yeah, but in TV um, and in fiction, that's always yeah. an easy shortcut reason that's given. Usually a reason. That, you're yeah. right. You're yeah. right. Yeah. But, um, gosh, well, how horrible would it have been if we found out that his wife died right about the time that his career went in the shitter? Oh, yeah. That changes all of your sympathies, doesn't it? Oh, jeez, yeah. So yeah, he just, he, just, he couldn't like, do it. He couldn't do it anymore because he just lost no, that thing in his lost life. His, lost his muse. And then this kid shows up, gives Finley, like, reason to exist. And then the kid's like, I'm going to expose you for a fraud. Oh, now Finley God. needs to mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. this... That would do it. Well, yeah, in that case, then, it is strange. It's just dropped in at the end. Like, it didn't even... It's just like, oh, okay, yeah, that happened. There's, that's why he has pills. It didn't even... Because it was so late, it didn't really stick with me that right. that piece of information had been dropped in. It's like, oh, okay, she's dead, fine, whatever. Wow. Oh, my it God. Just, it, it has to recontextualize something because that's such a big part of a person's character. Right. That you got to go back and think, well, how does that change Findlay? Findlay, Crawford. Um... Oh, well, yeah, let's bring that up because uh, our last <laughs> guest, uh, Tilt. Sarah name people. Yeah, yeah he brought the... the that name, the name of Billy Connolly's character is from a Billy Connolly uh, comedy routine. Um, yeah. John will put up on the Tumblr, unless it gets censored by Tumblr, who knows, for being too <laughs> sexy. Female presenting nipples in it. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll post All that on the Twitter, there. too. Um, but yeah, it, this is actually, the name is from a Billy Connolly comedy routine where he complains about people's names. Yeah. So that, which is strange. I'd like to know how that came about. Did... The writers put it in because they knew it was his routine, or did he say, "Hey, I got a good, better idea for a name that sounds ridiculous and pretentious"? Well, see, that's that's what made me think that Falk and Connolly and and uh, McGowan were all getting along so well because McGowan is rather famous for being persnickety about his script rewrites. Oh, okay. And I have to assume that if Connolly says, "I've got this old bit," I think it would be funny if we named him two of the names from that bit. Yeah. Then McGowan must have been warm to him. Yeah. 
to yeah. let him do that. Well, yeah. yeah. I like I like to think it was Billy that came up with that suggestion. Yeah, oh, yeah. I am absolutely mortified to report that I've spelt Finley's name wrong in my book. Oh, the oh, horror! What? Oh, I it's fine. The D. I didn't put the D in because Finley is is a Christian name, uh, but Findlay is apparently a Scottish surname with the D mm-hmm. in it, mm-hmm. which is part of Billy Connolly's joke, I guess. That you know, posh people giving their their kids silly names right but yeah i'm absolutely mortified so i'm gonna have to get that corrected oh yeah the ebook, <laughs> the ebook version you're fine i'll upload the new version of it it's yeah you heard it here first everybody i can fix it oh terrible you see you said you were happy with the acting the one person who i thought uh the acting wasn't the best was the actual murderer victim wasn't the, in my opinion that guy i just i didn't feel he was kind of on the same level as the rest of the f***s in this Right. Well, that the director was playing a bit broad as like kind of a. I, th- I always paint him as more of a producer than a director. Somehow that character, just the way he was playing it, just seemed like right. a bigger, broader than life. I'm making deals. Let's do this. See, as mm-hmm. a, as opposed to a, a very like. Well, no, I'm very deep into this movie. He's just yeah. He just likes murder and crime and clues and better music. Clues. Yeah, he loves clues. Which is, yeah, that's. I think on. I think the direction was weird um, on on McHenry's character on on Chad Willett's role because okay. he, I think he was given a lot of guidance to be, you know, very active, enthusiastic. But he was he was, like, there's the scene where he is getting into his tux, and he's just seen the shoes, and he kind of laughs like, <laughs> "Shoes? Who needs shoes?" Which he shoes. does, which he does millions <laughs> of times because he's rented tuxes from their many many times why would it still be surprised they would put they're still including shoes with my tux package (laughs) oh luis oh luis avalos when will you not give me shoes um but he he does this thing where he's starting to get undressed and get into his tux and he's looking around the room i assume thinking someday i'll have my own place like this but it looks like a 90s sitcom living room so it's not it doesn't seem worthy of looking around and seeing the wonder of it, especially because his apartment just looks like a less appointed version of that. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's weird direction to make it like, Ooh, I'm sitting in the lap of luxury when it really just kind of looks like, Ooh, I'm sitting in grandma's room. Uh, so there's, there's weird direction. I think that maybe where the Columbo set design or just the nineties Columbo aesthetic, uh, kind of undermines what's trying to be accomplished. Yeah. And I think with the music, too, it's the same thing. Uh, the Benedictus' music yeah. kind of does that same thing where it, it's one of those things where in these you're told. Well, usually in these things, you're, you're told that someone is a brilliant attorney or you're told that someone is a world-famous right. brilliant actor. Unfortunately, this one, you're not just told that the music is brilliant. You're actually given examples of it, and I think that does not help it in this case, uh, really. Because it just sounds like very, very average TV music. So it would have been better if they could have gotten maybe somebody else somehow, but I don't know to do it. Yeah, it does stick in your head though because I just heard you humming. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> 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 the, the still, uh, yeah. I have I have watched it four times, but <laughs> well, it, it's no, it's no closer, closer. Your lips to mine, make love to me, baby, <laughs> one more time. It's not on the level of that, yeah. but it's yeah. No idea yeah, what you were doing true. for a second there. But you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. You know, the, the thing I didn't like was the, 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 the actual film that it begins with. I thought that was really creepy and horrible. <laughs> the, uh, the scene with the woman running away. And, oh, yeah. Oh. The, the, creepy, the guy's creeping up after her. And he's, oh, it was yeah, yeah. awful. Yeah. Terrible. That nearly put me off the whole episode, but then I got over it. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't. I, that's another little mistake there is because they're trying to show you a really great film, but it's shot like a TV show. Right. So there's that unfortunate shot where she's just running top speed to get away from this guy. But because they've done a long shot of the alley, I'm guessing because they can't really get a camera into that angle. Mm. So you just see her like if they shot her from the waist up, it would look like she was running. But when they show her whole body, you can just see she's kind of kicking her little feet about six <laughs> inches at a time. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, doesn't really work. It's that's a, uh, you know what? Okay, you guys have actually kind of brought me around on this episode for the most part. I think. <laughs> well, no, but especially that, especially the thing about the uh, the late wife. I mean that 
you're right, that changes everything about the character and adds the backstory there that I wish they would have maybe got into a little bit more. But I mean, there's... I'll throw you... So it's I'll there, it's almost one. there. Okay, sure. Did anybody else think that up to the point where McEnery, where Gabriel demands his due, that that's exactly what Findlay was planning to do anyway? Oh, he was going to kill him regardless? Yeah, because he keeps dropping these little lines. There's that um, something about uh, Gabriel says or he asks Gabriel about you know, is there marriage in the works with with his girlfriend Rebecca, and McHenry says yeah when I get established and the response to that is oh established what a lovely word that sounds like he's kind of hinting that oh you mm-hmm. need to be established that's an interesting word come with me and he's being very. He's playful. He's a little sarcastic. He's definitely teasing him. But he seems really supportive and positive about Gabriel, even to the point where Gabriel is starting to give him, read him the riot act. And I, I honestly think until the point where Ga- until Gabriel threatened to reveal that he'd written the entire soundtrack to the killers, Findlay was actually planning to do everything that he actually did. Oh, oh, I can see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Maybe. that definitely makes sense. Yeah. And it wasn't until he said, like, he's going to expose him, then, oh, well, okay, now I have to kill you. Yeah, because yeah. I guess he knows that he's going to get found out at some point because mm-hmm. he, that will happen. So, or, or yeah. the, plus, it's Hollywood. He just, he, here's the thing, right? So, Finley Crawford is producing soundtracks. They're terrible. They're not, they're, they're not living up to where he was. He gets a new assistant. The soundtracks get better. Yeah. Hollywood's not full of morons. They know what happened. Well, I mean, it is full of morons, but they can still figure that part out. Mm. So it's not like it was a, a super mystery that McEnery would have been contributing a great deal to to Findlay's work. Anyway. No, I mean, I, no, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And that then that makes his decision to just up and murder the guy. One of desperation. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also... It, it, it's kind of strange that, yeah, he figures that's the only way to deal with the situation is to just... Well, he probably figured he'd be able to kind of uh, sort of bribe him by giving him more of a leg up on his own. And yeah, when he, he feels backed into a wall and desperate, yeah. and he's, he's drinking... A, not Billy Connolly, but the character is drinking a lot, too. And so... And then think, too, about the first scene where we see Connolly drinking. Columbo walks into the to the bungalow. Connolly starts acting like an idiot. He's like... Or, sorry, Findlay starts acting like an idiot, plays music, starts conducting something that isn't the music that's playing. What if that's not Findlay uh, celebrating or Findlay trying to confuse it? What if that's him actually think, drinking and going, holy shit, what did I do? What if that's him reacting to his own actions? Oh, I don't know, because it was very premeditated and planned, the whole thing. Some of it was. I just, I think when I watch him, here's what I'm thinking of. He surrenders so quick. Oh, God, yeah. That's like, and actually, you mentioned it uh, in your, your write-up, your recipe write-up for the uh, episode, the fact that he just, as soon as he's confronted with everything on the rooftop, he's like, yeah, well, uh, at least uh, send me to a jail that has good music program. And then he just <laughs> yeah. walks off calmly. Yeah, he's almost sort of skipping off to prison. Yeah, no protestation <laughs> whatsoever. He's like, all right, you got, uh, you got me. me. See I, think, I think I'm thinking he's thinking at that point. Good. Huh. Good. Right. I got caught. Yeah, maybe. I So, I, yeah, I really, really do agree with a lot of this reading into it. I just kind of maybe wish there had been more of that on the screen, sort of. I mean, it didn't have to be it super been nice obvious, but it yeah. just wasn't. It wasn't entirely played that way. And yeah, I don't know. Mm. It's almost there. It's almost something to think there. About. Yeah. Something if if you haven't watched the readers, listeners, if you haven't watched this episode yet, it's something to keep in mind. Yeah. And that's one thing too. I I've been the one who's been uh, not super uh, positive about it, but still, this is definitely one that's worth watching for the 90s episodes. If only oh, yeah. because I I'm pretty sure, I mean, cuz this was the last one before Columbo uh, loves the nightlife, right? So yes. this was probably this, is second to last episode. this was probably going to be the last episode. I'm guessing. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, mm. having having uh, McGowan come back in for it. Yeah, I just got a feeling this was probably going to be the last episode. So basically, this is watching the last episode of the '90s Columbo. So it's definitely worth watching, just for that and the fact that it is almost 
pretty good episode. But yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that just kind of keeps it, in my opinion, just shy of being something that's uh, can't miss, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's on constantly on TV over here. Oh, really? It's really- <laughs> Yeah, oh, it's, really, okay. it's really weird. Um, there are certain Columbos which never seem to be shown on TV here, uh, but this is one of the ones that is on a lot. I don't know why. Well, what, but what are some <clears> of <throat> the other ones that you don't see come up very often? Uh, I don't think you, uh, Butterfly and Shades of Grey. Oh, that's no. a shame. <laughs> no, seriously, that's, that's a, a shame. Cool. That's I a know. fun I one. I think someone else was telling me that. That murder by the book is never on either. Oh, really that is a crime! That my is a crime! God, that is a horrible crime! That's yeah, all. My parents had never seen a Columbo <clears throat> until I wrote the book, and now they're avidly working their way through the book, watching every single episode. Oh, they good, can. good. They've, they've got about five that they just haven't been able to watch because they're just not on. Oh, okay. Uh, we, I can't put my finger on why it could possibly be strange yeah those but, two are good ones i don't know why they wouldn't uh, it's no, probably some weird rights issue who knows it must be it must be some copyright issue yeah oh yeah i must i'll just have to get them the box set i'm going oh one thing i, I wrote down that's another thing a 2001 vintage colombo uh carries his cigars around in an altoids tin apparently i like that yeah i just wouldn't have thought I, of that i have no idea what altoids are uh, it's it's it's, uh, no. it's the little mints. It their... doesn't sound good. It, yeah, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't. It sounds like some kind of medicine, is it? Uh, they're, no, they're, no, they're little. Uh, they're little mints, like little uh, lozenges, mint kind of things, and, and they're sold in a little like metal uh, white and red tin uh, with oh, a hinged okay. lid. Yeah, yeah. And that's what he keeps his small cigars in. Yeah, that's what he had. Is uh, he pulled out? I was probably like, is Columbo going to eat a mint? And then he pulled a cigar. Oh, okay. He just ah, he, cool. his wife, Mrs. Columbo, probably had a bunch of mints. He needed something to put his cigars away. That's portable. And he probably took it off uh, the kitchen counter or something once it was empty. Uh, no, well, don't throw that away. I can use that. Well, that'll make his cigars taste all minty, surely. Oh, maybe you know, it would. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, he maybe he loves it. He doesn't want to quite you know, I... switch to menthols, so that's a close enough thing. Yeah, that's do. why he doesn't accept a cigar off Finley, because he likes the ones he, he's used to. Because <laughs> yeah. they're minty. <laughs> I, uh... I'm just curious about if there's like a if you eat too many Altoids. I seem to remember that something happens to you if you eat a whole bunch of them. <laughs> like you have hallucinations. I'm sorry. Why? I, got I don't know distracted. why you do that though. One's usually enough. One little yeah, they usually are enough. powerful. Yes, the curiously strong. I believe was their uh, tagline. The curiously yeah, strong. Yeah, I don't know. Bit. Yeah. Next time right, a friend of mine goes to the States, that's what I'm going to ask them bring, to bring back for me. They've got them all over the place. Oh, they're, they're in, of Altoids. They're in supermarket, uh, little light, in the lane with all the candies. They're all over the place. Yeah. Right. I'm going to get me some. So uh, what did you folks think of the uh, cheap set for the Homicide uh, Division room? They even had a weird little handmade woodcut that said, Homicide, hanging up on the wall. <laughs> Did you That's see that? That was very strange to me. I didn't see that. Yeah, I actually missed that. I totally as, missed as it. As Columbo and uh, Richard Reel, the uh, sergeant, are um, are just talking about stuff. Yeah, right behind them, hanging up on the wall. It looks like something you'd see in some weird, uh, like cottage, talking about hey fishing. Except it just says homicide. Really? <laughs> just like carved gonna, into it and yeah, lacquered. So I can see that. It's very, very peculiar looking. Yeah. One of the cops had got a wood burning kit for Christmas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Made his own sign. No. We gotta we gotta make this place more homey, boys. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a wooden sign that says homicide will hang up. Like, okay. I remember when murder was a little it was a small town affair. I, I would love to know like that's one of those things where um after the, the shoot is over, who got that prop? Because that would be fun just to have that prop. Oh, just this yeah. is homicide. Yeah, a plank of wood that says homicide on it for no reason. Just hanging up in the living room. Well, you know, that's an interesting general question. If you can have any souvenir from an episode Ooh. of Columbo. Ah, right? Oh, I know. I know what I'd like. I mean, I let's let's assume overcoat, cigar, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah, 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 whatever. No, I know, I, know, I know exactly what one thing I'd like and where I would put it. Okay. Uh, one of one or one or two of the Mrs. Melville novels, and just put them on a bookshelf amongst everything else. Yeah. 
<laughs> just hide them in there. Yeah, they're just in there with all the other books, just a couple of Mil- Mrs. Melville mysteries. Oh, fantastic. That'd be fun. I like that one. And you I, folks? I, I'm having, I can't think of anything. I, I, I would like, uh, I don't know if this counts because it's not really a prop, but I, I would like the tail of the pup hamburger stand. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that one's a, that's one's a bit hard to fit in the house though i know <laughs> but i think that's a real thing i'm not i'm not sure that's a prop so that probably doesn't count oh yeah no that, that's a real place yeah does it really exist yeah oh, yeah, we'll say, yeah. I go there. yeah i need to go there i'm having really another thing there's got to be some experiences i'd like i uh, oh, sorry please some uh, I, I was going to yeah, say, Jenny, I'd love the food trolley that's in uh, Dagger of the Mind in the Gentleman's Club. You know, they bring up a great big trolley full of food for Columbo to choose. His oh, lunch right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd love, a, I'd love a big food trolley like that so that when I had friends around for dinner, I could just wheel it in, laden down with delicious <laughs> British foodstuffs. Oh, I know. I know another one. Uh, the, the apron and does it wear a chef's hat? In in the uh, one with Louis Jordan. Oh, with Dexter, Dexter Paris. No, 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 no. Yeah, Murder Under Glass. Like at the end when he's making a dinner with Louis Jordan, he, he I think he wears an apron and a chef's hat, doesn't he? Does he I, does? That, that's good. I'd yeah, like that. I'd like that yeah. costume. I'd wear that while making pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I think I would. I was. I was going to make the joke that I want the train that David White was on when. Um, <laughs> But actually, I think I would like that little ID card that David White, Larry Tate from Bewitched, had in the episode Identity Crisis when he was showing Columbo that he was an, he was an officer of the federal government. Oh, right. Uh, it was a weird thing. Yeah. Very it's, it, he was sec- It said Secret Agent X9 on it. Yeah. Which is, which is the name of an old newspaper strip. So I definitely would go for that. Yeah. That's good. That is very cool. You could just have it in your pocket at all times. Oh, sure. Not even show it yeah. to anybody. You just got it. You know it's there. Let it fall out. Whenever I need to. Quote, unquote, accidentally when you're getting... Oh, I'm sorry. Is that my secret agent pad? You should have seen that. That's kill you. <laughs> I, probably, I probably would use it every single time when I needed to show ID. <laughs> Constantly. Does this work? You know what, no. Do you know why I pulled you over today? It's because I'm a secret agent. Flap. And then you get like a double ticket. <laughs> Um, you brought up earlier the sadness of the girlfriend. I love this scene uh, where Columbo goes into uh, the victim's apartment and she's just there in the bed, yeah. ho- sleep, holding one of his shirts, still oh, dressed in the, yeah. the dress she was wearing the night before. And, and the way Columbo is so sorry about it. And he's also leaving in peace. He's very sad. He goes like, well, no, not in peace. Like, that was just a nice aside. He was just very, very... Yeah, I love the way uh, Paul played that. He's a lovely, kind man. And it's the same with the scene at the end when he asks her to teach him how to play this old man. Is that what it's called? Yes, yes, this old man, yeah. You know, quite touching, quite, you know, he's a kind, kind person. Except I thought it was strange that he had her sit there and be present while... uh, going through and recreating the conditions of the murderer yes. with the murderer right there. So, yes, it was kind at the very end, but I thought it was a little cold to have her there yes. for that entire thing. Because that can't have yeah. felt good. I kind of... I, boy, this is a weird place to put myself. If I were involved in catching the murderer of my loved one, uh, I might actually like to know that the cops completely had him covered. And just like... We got your motive, we got the actions, we got everything nailed out. Here's how you did it. You're going to jail. Well, yeah, I'd like like them to tell me that later on (laughs) after he's been arrested and not have to be present when they're laying it out for him at the scene of the crime where your loved one was actually killed, pretty much. Oh, well. If I'd been her, I would have just scratched his eyes out. I'd have gone for him and, uh, you know pulled his hair and tore and torn at his face. So, I, yeah. I would rather have stayed downstairs, had him led past me in handcuffs, and then the detective going like, that's okay, we got him, we're fine. Like, oh, thank you. That, yeah. that's, that's, that's me, I'm crazy that I way. I preferred, first off, for there to be a circus. In the middle of... <laughs> in the middle of it, Peter Falk dressed as a ringmaster. <laughs> 
yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't think much of it, but yeah, I can I can definitely see why that would be creepy and odd. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, actually, it's a thing, too. Um, the fact that a lot of this uh, was uh, took place, well, and actually all of the fake films within the episode were very much only on studio backlots. And they yeah. in the studio, it's Monolith Studios. In my head, I'm going to kind of assume that's the same studio that um, Fisher Stevenson's character was probably a big-time director for. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he's just rolling around in his little golf cart while all of this is going on, isn't he? Well, no, it'd been, he would have been arrested years before. So this oh. studio, this studio twice within a decade had high-profile murders happen in it. Yeah. Which is not, you don't hear that happen very often. I thought that was the joke. What? I thought the joke was that Fisher Stevens' character was the young director they were complaining about. Oh, 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 you Because they complain about, they're like, there was, you could have done it for a tenth of the price. Ah, oh, young directors, ah. I thought that was the joke. Oh, oh maybe. could be. He's the one that got the elevator installed. And. Yeah. For his oh, film. way back when, way back when, yes. Oh, my ten, God. Ten years earlier. Yeah. If that's. Oh, layers, layers coming through. This is really good. <laughs> that yeah. would have been great. Oh, man. See, I was thinking about, yeah, about it being a studio, but I didn't think about it being him. That would be interesting. <laughs> okay, no, that's Glad great. to be a film. We'll assume we'll that's, that's it. Joke. Now, yeah. From now on, that's it. That's the case. Oh, okay, I like that. <laughs> I love world building. Um, so I'm going through my notes. Yeah, I mean, you guys definitely kind of changed my mind a little bit on this. Um, I'm trying to think of other things that I wrote down that I wanted to discuss. We've kind of covered most of them. Oh, the fact that... Um, they go to the medical examiner, and you actually get to see the corpse. That doesn't happen very often in a Columbo, where you see it no. afterward. Uh, the last one we talked about, they did. Uh, you got to see it, like the guy who uh, was killed with the drugs and the teeth. But, um, yeah, those are the only two times that really strikes me that you hear, oh, you get to see him examining a body after it's been mm-hmm. dead a while. Mm. It's a little unsettling, yeah. Yeah. He knows what he's doing, though, doesn't he, with a dead body? I'm oh, yeah. About. Yep. He gets right underneath it at the beginning, doesn't he? He's right under there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and and the other cops they don't know, and like, yeah, okay, whatever. He's just Yeah, this one I liked um the deference that the sergeant has to Columbo, which is good. Yeah. Because, because they got away cause a lot of these seventies uh, ones there's a lot of condescension from the other law enforcement towards Columbo, and I'm glad they got away from that after a while. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, he deserves respect. Yes, yes. Definitely, definitely. The 70s, one, the 70s ones, essentially Bruno Kirby, it was largely contempt. Then in the 90s, <laughs> it was bemused condescension, and then finally it got around to respect by the end of the series. So I like, it's yeah. good, it works. As long as they got there, I'm fine yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what was the weird thing? The um, Those two witnesses, they were weird characters. They're great. I love them. They were, it was, oh, yeah. Them. Yeah. I think that falls, I think, John, very much with your thing of like the weird sort of McGowan sense of humor. Definitely. They, yeah, I'm trying to find who played these people, but we didn't really get their names, did we? I did, I did read somewhere that she was related to McGowan. Oh, okay, I, so that would be, that's Anne McGowan then. Okay. And I guess that's Harry Harry Danner. Okay. That can't be. That's he's way too young to be Harry Danner. That's that's um, Rebecca's father. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. But okay. Well, at least I can get Anne McGowan. I thought maybe it's maybe it's this just, Herschel Sparber guy. Herschel Sparber. Like he played the character um, of Priestley. So maybe it's Priestley and Marsha. I don't know. Yeah, who otherwise is just a a voice actor? So I don't really know. Yeah, inter- interesting. I think in any other show. They felt like when you get a couple of the local improv comics to oh, fill, yeah. and you're just like, we don't really have lines for you, but can you know what? What's your character? And they like they figure it out themselves. They fill in the script, and you just put them on for two or three minutes. I I don't know if any other people know that this like think this is a thing except me. No, no, that makes sense. But I, what I, I want, okay. oh, yeah, yeah, I can say it. Well, what I love about those two though is the fact that. Um, He's just been proven to be a murderer. He's about to be taken away, and they still ask for his autograph. Yeah, they oh, yeah. still. And saying, saying it'll be worth a lot of money. Yeah. Which is so dark that and awful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. 
Yeah. There was there was one other scene that stuck out to me, and originally I'd hated it, and it took a few viewings to kind of understand, or at least come up with an idea of what was happening. And that is, once again, back in the scene where Columbo is listening, first meets Crawford, and Crawford's kind of overacting and playing all that music. Uh, and it comes to the scene where he starts singing Clementine with him. Mm. And it felt to me like Daffy Granddad Columbo that we talk about sometimes, where he's, he's sort of like a giant baby more than he is a detective. Right. The, the killer just pleases him, and Columbo's like, ah, I'm very happy now. But before that, it's really worth it to watch Falk's expression as he watches Connolly act. And it's really uh, surveilling. He's being very perspicacious about drinking in Crawford's actions. And it's, I think, maybe the only time we've seen Columbo building up to the moment he knows. Oh, Like, really really? doing the work. Because you see him, like, twisting. He's like, is this sorrow? You can see he's like, all right, so this guy's acting up. If I'm going to play his game, what do I have to do? He puts a lot into his expression. It's... I would I would say it's the reward for being an actor of his age doing a role for so long hmm. that he brought something in that I don't think we saw before, but it really felt it feels like the character. Right. Yeah. Well, I think also that probably then fed into him tricking him with that ride home. Yeah. Just trying to annoy him and annoy him and annoy him and annoy him, and then the running out of gas. And when you find out later on, the sergeant's like, "Well, you got half a tank. Like, don't tell anybody." Like, where he just is yeah. then really, really doing everything he can to really annoy him and try to yeah. make him... Well, no, and he says the thing, too, about when he gets in the car with him, about how horrible it must be to die like that and everything else. And he's really just trying to unsettle him or maybe even just try to see what his reaction is to directly saying that also. After he's played, like, oh, the doddering old silly man. But then, yeah, he's, he's still trying to con him into uh, revealing mm-hmm. himself. Yeah. Yep. We so nailed I, it. I'm I'm looking at that was great. I, I'm looking at the um IMDB cast list and there's somebody cast as Stalker. Oh, that was in the the, the, the scary the fake movie at the beginning. Yes. Yeah. Rob Rob Eli, right? Uh Elk. Rob Elk. Rob Elk, that's yeah, it's Mr. Elk and Mr. Um Seal, wasn't it? Oh, he, oh Yeah. Right. Oh, there we are. Oh, my gosh. The, it's an old doctor, uh, for our listeners, that's an old Dr. Demento duo. Oh, weird. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Well, there you go. You've well, like I say, you get the improv guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But playing a scary killer, yes. He, I mean, he's a weird-looking dude, so yeah. bless his heart. Uh, one, one thing, the so the uh, tuxedo shop, I, I was so expecting, first time I saw this, we were going to see Vito Scotti. Because oh, yeah. oh, yeah. so often that would have been a role Vito Scotti would have played. When he brings up somebody from the back room, oh, no, it wasn't him. Well, I was a little disappointed. It's Luis. Yeah. It's but, a, for, for, if you're an electric company aficionado, if that was your show growing up when you were a little one, that's, he's, uh, that's Roberto, I think his name was on the show? Antonio. Antonio, okay. Yeah. Oh, now I know. Yes. I did not recognize him from that. Okay. Yeah, he's he's oh. got a few other roles, but that's always that's always the one I remember him from. Oh, all right. And you know what? And keeping that whole seventies cop thing going. Uh, a couple years before this, he was in a uh, Rockford Files revival movie. So <laughs> good. Good. He kept that whole uh, NBC seventies mystery thing together. So yeah, let, let's uh, start to kind of go around uh, final thoughts, final impressions. Where you'd put this in uh, amongst. The uh, whole Columbo, as it were. Uh, let's start with Jenny. Jenny, uh, yeah. Where where would you kind of rank your this one Columbo overall? Nineties Columbo's, and uh, what are your overall impressions of it? Well, I think of the later ones, it is a good one. I think people who haven't seen it will maybe go to it with a bit more of an open mind after listening to this. Maybe. Hopefully, yes. Uh, yeah, I think there's there's. Merit in all Columbo's. This is obviously not an outstanding Columbo uh, compared to, obviously, the earlier ones. But as the later ones go, I think it's well worth our attention. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like, like you said at the top, I was not a huge fan of it. I've kind of come around, uh, thanks to you folks pointing some things out 
um, your defense of it. I think in terms of the 90s ones, there are many that are so much that worse than this. This is kind of, it's okay. It's kind of, it's kind of mid range. It's an okay one. I think, um, yeah. I mean, if you're watching nineties one, yeah, this should be one of them. There's something you should stay away from like the plague, but this one, yeah, it's all right. Uh, there are definitely elements I wish were a lot better in it. Uh, but a lot of that was with the production. Uh, some of the ways, some of the characters were played here and there, but yeah, Billy Connolly definitely worth watching in it. Um, I wish he had done another one, or maybe it had been in a different one. Um, but he's good. I think uh, McGowan's uh, direction, especially visually, is quite good in this. Um, yeah, it's okay. I think it's it's a it's a fair to solid episode of a '90s Columbo, in my opinion. I suppose. Yeah, it's all right. And you guys definitely, I I would definitely watch this again with more of an eye towards some of the things you you folks have brought up uh, in the last hour or so. But I would definitely mm. get, I definitely would give it another chance now. I wouldn't have before, but now I will, for sure. So thank you for saying you're giving me the gift of a Columbo with fresh eyes. <laughs> John? Yes, sir. How would you rate this episode of Columbo? Uh, I think it's very solid. <clears throat> I think at the at, once you get down to the to the core of it, this it's a good episode with a good plot, and there's a it's not a big, fat, juicy one, but there's a lot of meat on the bones. If you get in there and pick, there's a lot... To, to like uncover. <clears throat> let me let me discuss meat more. Yeah. If you have, uh, where, where's meat the sinew? You want to where's put the your hands in the? Where, where's the sinew uh, and gristle of this episode, John? Is there is there any fat here. dripping off of it onto the plate? Could you do some foley for this scene and just <laughs> horrible wet sounds of meat? Uh, <laughs> Make it sound like a Spotify ad. Um, all right, all, all right. right, all right, Mister. I actually was kissing my hand. No, I won't. That's, that's what it sounds like when I kiss. That's my head. Oh, God. That would be, be so horrible. It would be oh. awful. Oh, God. Anyway. Two episodes from the end, and he reveals the worst thing about himself. Um, <laughs> we still got one more to go. Anyway. <laughs> but, no, I, I think it's really solid. I think it's very much worth watching. I think the problem with it, if there is, and there is a problem. I don't know why I was going to say if there is a problem. It's that the weakest parts of it are so wildly bombastic that you can't ignore them. So the movies in the in the movie are terrible. They don't look watchable, but they take over your whole screen and you have to watch them. Or the soundtrack is not great and it's loud and it takes up huge swaths of scene and you have to listen to it. So I think those things can trick you into thinking the episode is worse than it is. And it it's really solid. I am going to give it a perhaps surprising 8. Wow. <gasps> Holy cow. Uh, so, I'm going to give it eight dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-d
That's a good question. Um, my favourite is Ross Martin's beef in anchovy cream. That is oh really delicious. Mm. That is just so so delicious and yummy. Uh, the most surprising, I think, is Peter Falk's pumpkin lasagna. Oh. Because it's not lasagna as we know it. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I, I am, I'm all interested in um, William Shatner has a burger recipe, which... Yeah, deluxe burgers, yes. <laughs> oh, Faye Dunaway has a cocktail. I didn't see that. Oh, yeah, the cocktail is very good indeed. Oh, mango? Peppers in it. Mm. Oh, weird. Huh. Really good. It's really good. That's interesting. It's a, it's a it is a fun book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Glad you like it. Sorry, I'm flipping around still. I, so I'm looking for like uh, the yeah the ripped torn omelet Mexicali, and to me that's the perfect matching of actor and of course uh, ripped torn would be some Mexican omelet. I don't know why it just seems so yeah. fitting to me. <laughs> there's a thing about omelets. Like there's a certain kind of like burly man's man whose only egg meal is omelets. <laughs> yeah. Am I wrong? I feel like that's a thing that's true about society. Of course, Columbo cooks an omelet. In, uh, is it Murder by the Book? He cooks an omelet. Is it Murder by I know he does one. Isn't he cooking an omelet with Dexter Paris on his cooking show? No. Uh, uh, what's he cooking there? Hollandaise sauce. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes, yeah. one thing it takes because Hollandaise yeah. sauce. Okay. Well, I know. Yeah, Columbo can cook a mean omelet. And I would love to. I want to look. I want to see if that. Just check out that New York steak Dabney Coleman, too, because that just seems so strange to me. They named a steak after Dabney Coleman. They did. It's super expensive. I'm saving up to go. Yeah, 68 it's bucks. 50, right, 56 <laughs> ounces. My God. Uh, I went to Yelp, and I was reading reviews of the steak, and everybody says it's remarkably tender. But yeah. enormous. It does sound good. And, and you can have a spaghetti or fettuccine in the side. Sure. Because that's a, you know, right? a giant steak with pasta, with a big boatload of pasta. So why not? All right. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That sounds good. Well, thank you very much for doing the show. Um, oh, yeah, and the book. me. And the book is fun and enjoyable just to see. Again, I find it so strange that this is a thing that actors did having recipes, having signature recipes that would just show up places. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a great collection of those, and plus actual uh, write-ups about each episode as well. So if you are a fan of Columbo, uh, definitely recommend getting this thing and checking it out for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank um, you. John, what do you have coming up? Anything? I know. Uh, uh, how about a holiday gift for people? What would be a good one for people? Well, a fun holiday gift for people. Let me tell you, if if you... RJ, how many regrettable sidekicks would you like to hear about? Would you like to hear about, say, one or two regrettable sidekicks? No, that's not nearly well, enough, John. Not nearly enough. What no. if I gave you 10, 20, even 30 regrettable sidekicks? Would that be enough? I, no, no you got to do better. Really. you got to do better, John. You better than you know, no, yeah, not for, not for a man's appetite. No, no RJ, you need a practical league, a league of regrettable sidekicks. Well, well hold gonna... on, though. Hold on, though. I, I, I have right, a right. feeling now maybe you've gone too far because I can only imagine an entire league uh, would be far too costly. Far too out of reach no, no. for the average consumer, especially in this holiday season, as they're getting things uh, for yeah, uh, friends you know and what, family frankly, and RJ, alike. I'm, yes. I'm dedicated to the to the yes and principle of improv. So yes, you're right. Don't buy the book. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Leave regrettable sidekicks yeah. now available on Amazon.com, or I'm going to say Amazon because that's actually a little more comfortable. Okay. Uh, also, uh, the Legion of Regrettable Supervillains and the League of Regrettable Superheroes. More than 300 individual entries on weird old comic book characters, but also the creators that made them and the times that crafted them. Available at Amazon and other booksellers. And and in a very very uh, convenient <laughs> uh, book shaped item. So that's good. It's uh this. I know that primarily books are sent out in loose sheafs of paper. But you bound but it. You I actually asked, you told them to bound it. You told the you told the publisher I asked like them. I no, said, can we not book, do it with like a stapler? Important like we because I get I books. Want, it's a sta- it's a box with a bunch of piece of paper and a stapler. Like yeah, I, right, I don't right. I don't want to do the yeah. work. I want it put together for me. And you did that, John. You know I admire that. Stuff? 
I I've had book like you, RJ. I've had bookshelves, those round circular objects in which you throw giant piles of paper. Right. Yeah. They're ineffective. I have these other shelves, and it turns out if you put a cover on a book, this is the most boring thing we have ever done. Oh come on! All right. This is not entertaining. We've got to stop this now. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Sure. Okay. Okay. Well, that's that's a show for this time around. Thank you again, Jenny, for being on. And thank you, John, for playing along with my dumb little thing there for for a while. <laughs> I have a there's built in fatigue. Yeah, for for doing this entire show. We have like one more of these <laughs> left, so yeah. Just for just for my enthusiasm for anything in the world. Okay, good. Uh well if you want to listen to other episodes of this podcast, and boy, uh, why wouldn't you at this point? Yeah, because if you've just if you've just like leapt onto this thing with one more until the end, it's like what? Oh, okay. oh no, it's all over. No, you can listen to all the other ones. The other like seventy million that we've done over the last uh, ten years. Um, you can go to jmtpodcast.com or uh, just look us up on your favorite uh, podcast application, whether it's Stitcher, iTunes, uh, Google's service, whatever. We're on them. We're all over those things. Every single uh, episode we've ever done. Uh, we're also on Twitter where we uh, post links about other uh, Columbo things, whatnot. We respond to people. We uh, post their stuff. That's JMT Podcast on Twitter. On Tumblr, uh, whatever that's going to be these days, uh, John puts up screen grabs as long as they aren't too naughty. Anymore, um, and also as for the thoughts about the episode, those go up there. It's also JMT Podcast. If you want to write to us in our waning sunset days, please feel free to do so. You got a couple. If you want to write to us at the home, yes, at the at the home for old broken TV recap podcasters, where we will be sitting <laughs> on the porch in our rocking chairs, mumbling uh, about uh, Jack Cassidy and. Uh, Patrick McGowan and whatnot. My um, grandchildren are coming to visit. Yes. Uh, our little cups of pills. Um, anyway, yeah, you can write to us at Colombo at thecitydesk.net. You know, they have a couple more uh, chances left for us to read your uh, little uh, correspondence on the air, question or comment, what have you. That's it. That's program for this time around. I'm R.J. White. I'm John Morris. And we'll see you next time. Oh, listen, just one more thing. Well, uh, sir, well, I... Perhaps I, you'd rather hear some rock and roll? I wouldn't say that, sir. In the cavern, then the canyon, excavating for a mine, lived a miner, a 49er, and his daughter, Clementine. Oh, my darling, oh, my darling, oh, my darling, Clementine. You were lost and gone forever. Dreadful sorry, Clementine. At least we've established part of your taste.